The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Is it the right time of year to be thinking about changing jobs? Well, here to take us through all the do's and don'ts of changing careers, I'm delighted to be joined by Donal O'Donoghue. He's the Managing Director at Sanderson Recruitment Ireland. A very good morning to you, Donal. Good morning, Bobby. Now, um, maybe let's look at a, at a sort of a high-level view, the jobs market for 2024. What's going to be in demand? What, what, what are the trends? What are you seeing out there? Well, it's pretty buoyant still because of the skill shortage that we have in the market. Uh, what we've seen in 2023 is that although there's a little bit less demand than we had straight after the pandemic, which was a bit of a hiring frenzy, uh, the market is still very good. So there's demand across all sectors from the professional sectors like marketing, finance, HR, procurement, engineering. Obviously, technology is really, really busy. Uh, but then if you look at everything from hospitality to healthcare, there's there's huge demand across the board. So it's 20... 20- okay, so, so that... That tech blip that we saw earlier this year, that was only a blip as such, was it? It was a kind of a resizing of of of, of, of the various big tech giants. But yeah. all those people who were displaced seem to have found work elsewhere. Is exactly. That- so that was the question that we kept looking at throughout 2023 is like, when would we hit the inflection point? When would the amount of candidates coming onto the market from the, the tech record, the tech corrector, whatever you want to call it, actually exceeds the number of vacancies? Because when you think about the labour market, like any marketplace, it's based on supply and demand. You know, the supply is the number of candidates available. The demand is the number of vacancies. And you'll hear people say, oh, you know, it's a real job seekers market now or it's an employer's market because there's constantly this arm wrestle. So if you think about employers straight after the pandemic, when hybrid working came in and there was a real shortage, it was like work wherever you want, come in, come in one day a week, that's fine, or don't come in. Whereas now we're seeing something of a correction where this, the, the, a lot of the power has gone back to the employer where they're starting to kind of mandate kind of work patterns and take back a little they, bit of control. But they still haven't got, uh, they will never recover the ability to get everybody 100% into the office. That day is gone. That day is long so, gone, so yeah. whatever they manage to salvage, be it three days, be it four days, be it whatever, and again, it depends on the type of employment, but I think that ship has sailed in, ter- in terms of employer expectation. Absolutely. And it's, you know, the number one thing that people think about when they're changing jobs is, you know, does it make sense? Does the compensation and benefits stack up? The next question that they ask recruiters is what's the approach to hybrid working? Is it about, you know, if it's an office job, is it coming in for the sake of coming in or is it coming in to actually collaborate and get a team together and do something productive? So, yeah, but the hybrid is definitely here to se- to stay. But 2024, we could see somewhat of an arm wrestle. Yeah, okay. And and I suppose I'm around a long time and I've seen all the the, the, the cycles that you mention, employees market, employers market, and it's always going to be moving. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay, let's look at some of the uh, uh, lots of questions and all coming in, but I'm planning to move jobs next year. I'm not sure where to start. Any taps, any tips for planning my job search. Absolutely. So the first thing to do is get the CV updated. Uh, Keep the CV very simple and keyword rich. So a black and white CV, no fancy formatting, no photographs, because the CVs are all going into an ATS, which is uh, the fancy name for a database nowadays, an applicant tracking system. So basically, you want your CV to highlight what you can do and also the jobs that you're applying for as well, because they're all being sifted through some kind of keyword recognition. So does that mean, and just to drill down into that for a second, so if I'm applying for a job as an accountant in a bank, say, 
Um, and I, I, I put in my CV. I really need to put in that CV, my relevance for that position that I'm applying for in simple word format that will be picked out from this automatic selection. Yeah, and it's not so much that it's automatic selection, but any recruiter, whether they're an agency recruiter or they're an in-house HR professional, are going to start their search using keywords. So if you're, in that case, an accountant, you might use accounting, accountant, not just banking, you might say financial services as well, to make sure that, you know, your CV is going to come up first. The other top tip as well is to make sure the CV is up to date and ready to go. It's all about hyper-personalization though. So if there's a job you really want, you really need to read the job spec and make sure that you're bringing to the forefront of your CV the relevant experience and also making sure that your LinkedIn profile is up to date because the CV is static. You know, it's a piece of paper, it's a PDF, it's a Word document. Whereas on your LinkedIn profile, you can really showcase maybe you won some awards. Maybe there is uh, a piece of, you know, if you're in a creative role in marketing, maybe there's a a campaign that you did that you can showcase on your LinkedIn because uh, employers will look at the CV and they'll cross-reference it with LinkedIn. So So they will do that? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and I was wondering about that. And LinkedIn seems to be you know, uh, the most important platform out there in terms of selling yourself. Yeah, well, it's so dynamic and it's, you know, it's self-editing, it's dynamic, it's up to date. And I think it's really worth putting in, you know, a few hours a week if you're on the uh, on the job hunt and, uh, and making sure that you set your LinkedIn status as open to opportunities as well. OK, our expert is here. He's Donal O'Donnell. He's the Managing Director at Sanderson Recruitment Ireland. Loads of texts. Coming in, Donald, let's have a look at them now. Uh, I'd like to change careers entirely, but I'm in sales. I'm very good at it, but I'm tired of it. I'm 45. Is it too late to move into something new? I've no idea what I'd like to do. I'm aware I should just put up and shut up, but for another 20 years seems soul-destroying. This is a man who needs to change jobs. Yeah, or it, a lady, I'm not sure which. It's, it's never too late. So one of the things that you can do, and one of the buzzwords that's happening in HR at the moment is all about talent management. And 2023 is the year of skills. So there's a lot of organisations. If you're in a sales role and you've learned the company really well, and maybe you haven't had the chance to do a formal qualification, but if you can uh, demonstrate your ability to move, for example, from a sales role into an operations role or from sales into a finance role or something like that, there's definitely, you don't need to be an accountant to work in the finance team. You could start in accounts payable, accounts receivable, credit control while doing some qualification or uh, while taking something else on. So I would say, it's never too late and uh, you just need to make small steps towards whatever that goal is. Well, interesting you say that because I was reading in today's mail uh, a piece by uh, Sarah Slater saying that third level degrees are not essential, say 70% of employers as hiring is based on skills increases. One of the things I just say on that is that, like, you know, when you look at everybody now does a master's, so everybody goes to college, then everybody does a master's, I, I think that's the relevance there is getting your first job. After you've got your first job, it's about where you've worked and what you've done there. That, to me, as an um, employer, if I'm looking at a CV, I'm more interested in that, uh, where somebody has worked and what they've done there, than what their master's is. And I, that, that article is saying that 70% of employers seem to think the same way. 
Yeah, I mean, what you tend to see is that if you go to any job ad, you'll tend to see third level qualification or uh, qualified by experience. So as you said, you know, having the degree is great, uh, but sometimes it can be just a bit of a tick box until you get some experience. So if you think about Mark Zuckerberg, dropped out of college, Richard Branson, no degree, Oprah Winfrey, no degree, Steve Jobs, no degree, Bill Gates dropped out of college as well. So it's certainly... But it can be a barrier for people. So what I would say is if you get into an organisation and you start to develop your career and you haven't uh, got a degree and it's something that you want to do, there are different pathways now. There's apprenticeship programmes, there's uh, executive education, there's part-time learning. Uh, But I do think that this whole idea of the year of skills whatever your interest area is, you've got to try and keep some kind of learning going on. So if you don't have the degree, maybe you can show that you did two or three different diplomas or certificates to keep yourself moving forward. But certainly don't let it be a barrier. Um, any, ticks, any, any tips from Donald on uh, asking for a pay rise in the new year? It's a pretty small company, but I feel my work in the last 12 months reflects that I deserve more money. The thoughts of the conversation make me so nervous. This is so common. It's a really good question. Um, I'll tell you one of the things not to do is to go out and uh, go interviewing elsewhere to get an offer and bring it back and put it on the table because that's one of the best ways to create a disconnect between the employer-employee relationship. You have to frame these things really positively. So as that caller has said... It's about saying, look, what did you deliver? What difference did you make? What's the role that you're doing and what value do you add to the company? And I think you have to frame it in a really positive way. But this is one of the things to think about. If you're in an organisation and if if we look at what happens to salaries each year, you might get a 3% pay rise in the current climate. Uh, so wage inflation isn't keeping up with market inflation. Whereas when you move jobs, you might get a 10 to 15% uh, increase on base salary. So... There's a trade-off there to look at things, but I would say if you're in the organisation, you like the company, you're loyal to the company, you just, it's about asking for the time to sit down and bringing in and framing it positively, definitely. What you're saying there about some fella rocking in and saying, I have another job here and they're offering me 20% more, what are you going to do about it? It's the wrong way to do it. Definitely the wrong way to do it. It's hostile. The employer feels that you're blackmailing them. Well, trust is gone. And you say, trust is gone. It's, out the door. It's professional infidelity. You know, trust is gone. So I, I think if you're in a situation like that and you do have an offer uh, from another company and your current employer says, listen, we'll give you five grand or 10 grand to stay, uh, it, it very seldom works out because that trust, once that's gone in the employer-employee relationship, it's very hard to rebuild. Let's do another quick one. Uh, text, does your expert think it's worth getting some training for interviews? I've worked in my current role for 10 years and feel I'd be very nervous out of practice in an in-person interview. I think it's all about preparation. So, yep, definitely, if you can get some training, that's fine. But what we recommend, well, like at Sanderson, what we do is anytime somebody is at an interview with one of our clients, we'll do an an interview prep session for them. Because if you sit down and you think about what you're going to say at interview, it never sounds the same as when you verbalise it and you hear yourself speak aloud. So I'm a big advocate for the kitchen table and strong arming a family member into sitting down. Rope, absolutely. Because when you hear it aloud, it's far more powerful. All right, Donald O'Donoghue, Managing Director at Sanderson. Thanks for joining us this morning. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.